we would love to hear from you what the Lord is doing in your life or have seen in others. Write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or call us and leave a voicemail at 407-624-9957. We at The Millennium Beat are looking forward to hearing what the Lord is doing in your life. Remember that The Millennium Beat is helping people share their stories. On today's show, I'm sitting down again with Joel Thornton at our temporary studio located in Lafayette, Louisiana. Last week, we talked with Joel and he told us who he was and where he came from. This week, he will be doing a little recap of his message that he gave on Sunday morning, August 2nd, 2020 at the Conversion Conference at One Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Today's topic is a little heavy and not recommended for younger listeners. Some of the topics we'll be discussing is transgender in schools and human trafficking. Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. So let's have a little recap of, of, of what you talked about on Sunday and yeah. let these people that couldn't get to hear, mm-hmm. you hear in person, let them hear it. I'm going to oh, yeah. let you go and I'll be quiet. Okay. Well, Kevin, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's really great to be with you. And uh, it's been a great conference so far. I mean, I, you know, I came in here expecting a lot from the conference. On Sunday morning when I was speaking, I, they asked me to, to kind of set the tone for the conference and to talk about things from a national level and talk about I do a lot of uh, work at the national level on, on a lot of different things, human trafficking, uh, some of the issues that are going on in the transgender movement, protecting. That's what Child and Parental Rights Campaign is all about. We're, we're about protecting the rights of parents and protecting the rights of children. Uh, the parents who are having their children be really aggressively pursued by the transgender agenda. And so we spend a lot of time uh, representing parents and helping parents understand what their rights are when they're dealing with child protective services and people like that. So I wanted to, to kind of set that tone and talk about uh, just the difference. Because, you know, these are chaotic times. And I, I think everybody's a little bit on edge. We're all kind of burnt out. We're all suddenly just, we're all unsure suddenly. And it's like a, the America we knew has suddenly disappeared on us. And so I wanted to bring some uh, some sanity to that. So I started off talking about uh, the COVID-19 issue and, and trying to put it into perspective. And I, I wanted to share with people here that if you compare America to Europe, or compare North America to Europe, so that you have populations that are basically the same, the death rates are virtually the same for the European Union and North America. And that surprises most people because we're hearing how bad and how out of control things are in America. But when you put us up against the rest of the Western world, we're right there hand in hand with them if you're comparing populations. Mm. Uh, And that's even, our death rate is slightly under the European Union's death rate, even though we have almost 2 million more cases that are known on COVID-19. So part of what I was trying to share with people is, look, this is a serious disease. There's no question about that. I, I don't I don't believe this is a hoax. I don't believe it's manipulation by the media. I do believe that the whole situation has been manipulated, but not the fact that this is a deadly disease. And and so I wanted people to understand that, that while we need to treat it with respect and we need to be doing certain things, we don't need to be living in as much fear as we've allowed to come in. And that's part of the problem we've got right now is that, that we've gone from the fear of COVID to the fear of watching our country suddenly look like it's being destroyed from within. Mm-hmm. And so I, one of the things I talked about was if you look back to the 60s, 
these the times in the '60s were more turbulent than what we're experiencing now. It doesn't thing it doesn't feel like that, and nobody's talking about that. But if you look back to the radical riots and the all of the stuff that went on in the late '60s, uh, when the Vietnam War had really ramped up, <clears throat> when you had the Summer of Love had just occurred out in San Francisco, when you had uh, the sexual revolution going on, and when you also had uh, this drug revolution going on, and this you know tune in and tune out, or you know drop in tune in. What was it? I can't remember. It suddenly it's dropped my mind, but it's basically t- uh, tune in, turn on, and drop out. Mm. That was the saying. And so you you pay attention, you get high, and you drop out of the culture. And the people that were doing all that ended up being a lot of them ended up being very violent. There were federal buildings being blown up all over the country. There were fires. There were people being shot by 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 people who were out rioting and protesting and it looked like there was a serious revolution going on. So it was to try to put some perspective in where we are today, because if all you do is watch the news, you're going to live in a lot of fear because it looks like the whole world is, has just gone and that it's deteriorated and there's nothing there. And so I I wanted to share on that with everybody to kind of set the, the stage for, you know, we need to not be living in fear as Christians. We should be living in faith. I mean, none of this that's going on now changes what we believe Mm -hmm. it doesn't change who we believe jesus is it doesn't change who we believe is in charge of the world who created the world god created the world god's still in charge he hasn't lost control god knew that all of the things that are going on now were going to be going on because he knows the beginning from the end and so it was really a, a message of trying to help bring some peace to people and then after after i brought him some peace i decided to start talking about human trafficking and just because I'd been asked to share some on the human trafficking issue, because, you know, that's an issue that a lot of people have heard a lot about. And it's a, it's something that you've got celebrities that have taken up the cause. You've got people engaged. Uh, you've got the whole Jeffrey Epstein episode mm-hmm. that, that at the root of that, at the, at the bottom of that, it was about human trafficking. That's what was going on. He was trafficking girls from all over the world and boys from all over the world onto that island to serve as sex slaves at, at his bidding and his cost. And so when you look at all of that and, and you see trafficking, you tend to look at it and think it's an offshore problem. It's an international problem, but it's not an American problem. And one of the statistics that always shocks people, I'm from Georgia, and one of the things that always shocks people is that in Georgia, we have 400 girls a month who disappear in Georgia and are believed to be trafficked. That's 400 girls from Georgia mostly. I'm not talking about foreigners that are brought in and trafficked. I'm talking about local Georgia girls that live in our nice suburbs, live in our nice subdivisions. Mm. Uh, We're not talking about inner city kids either. We're not talking about kids from really bad situations that are trying to get out. We're talking about kids from really nice situations, kids from good families, kids that are shopping in the suburban malls where we all feel safe. They're disappearing from those malls. Mm. And that's 4,800 people a year just from Georgia. I have a question is on the trafficking. Is there an age group? I mean, does it go all the way up to young adults or, or even adults or what is it? Mostly it's, kids. It's, um, it's a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. I, I talked to Christine Dolan. I worked with her for a while. She was a CNN reporter years ago. And she, she's one of the people that really pioneered the way on the, on the media covering the human trafficking she even at one time went undercover as a prostitute to get a better look and understanding of what trafficking was all about, what sex trafficking was about. And she told me that when she first got into into looking into this in the 90s, 
that when you talked about when people would order a child, they would order them like this. They would say, well, I'm looking for a kid about to be about this tall and, you know, 12 years old, 14 years old. And she said they measured them like this. And she said recently, and this was in 2012, I think, that she was that she and I were having this conversation. She said recently I've, I've watched and it's changed and now they order them like this. So it's all the way from infants in diapers, not walking, not crawling, all the way up to adults. Uh, and, and the trouble it, it is, it's, it's the sickest thing you can imagine, the, the cheapening of human life to the level that you would think that you have a right to control and manipulate someone just because it's a benefit to you and it doesn't matter the harm it does to them. And this is harm that, that it doesn't matter ultimately what happens to these girls, even if they have it relatively easy within that lifestyle. It's a lifetime change of a human being. You don't you don't get over this. Right. You know they say the average life expectancy of a of a sex slave is seven years. Wow. Meaning from the time they start, they'll be dead. Not not they'll leave the business or they'll move on. They they leave the business by dying, and they, that's because there's a lot of drug addiction. There's a lot of alcohol addiction. They use that to control the girls, and plus the girls and now the boys i mean it's starting to morph over into a lot of boys as well they they will readily take this on to get rid of all the pain and anguish that's created but the sexual diseases the abuse that goes on the the fact that human life is so cheap that it's not just about having sex with these girls sometimes it's about having violent sex with them and not having to worry about it but it's it's going on the the average age that a woman gets into prostitution is is 14 years old you were talking, um, let me ask this question. Let me try to articulate it right. Is the age you said is seven years. And now is suicide um, a heavy on in those in situations? Because you figure the pain that they can't handle, the drugs, the alcohol are numbing it. There's a point that they're saying, it's enough. I can't handle any more abuse. Yes. So suicide probably is very high. It is. Suicide rates would be high, but a lot of that is, is done through drugs too, drug through overdoses drugs. and overdoses. things like that. Uh, and they use the drugs to manipulate these girls and to keep them in a place where they'll stay. Right. And a lot of times these girls, uh, you know, one of the things you don't think about this, but if you're stolen out of an, out of your neighborhood, let's say uh, you work at, uh, at uh, Phipps Plaza or you, you're in Phipps Plaza in Buckhead okay. in Atlanta, the ritzy section of Atlanta, the place Elton John lives in Buckhead. That gives you an idea what kind of place it is. Uh, the governor's mansion is in Buckhead. Okay. Uh, so you're talking about a very upscale part of town. If you're recruited out of that mall and you live in that area, they'll often know who your family is or where your family's from because part of the recruitment is something like someone will walk up to you in a mall and go, wow, you did a great job today putting on your makeup. You, you're really good with that. You know, We're looking for some people. We're about to start doing some model photo shoots, and we're looking for someone to help us make up the models. Would you like to come and maybe audition for us, and let's see if, if that would be a good idea. And this is a 14-year-old girl going, Wow, this is a dream come true. Right. She goes off with them and they audition her and send her back home. And then they come back and pick her up one day and take her again. She thinks they're going for more work and they then end up trafficking her and getting her involved in the sex trade mm -hmm. industry. She then knows they know where her family is. So part of what they tell her is if you don't do what we want you to do, we're going to go pick up your little brother and kill him. Or we're going to go kill your mother and father. And so they use the fam, the children's families against them to keep them engaged and to keep them. And now they're doing this to save their family. They're not just doing it because they're, right. they're trapped in it. 
they're actually doing it for a noble reason, which is, well, if I give myself up, I can save my family. Right. That's how twisted this whole thing becomes. Imagine the emotion of being rescued out of that and having to somehow overcome the physical abuse and the nastiness that we know causes that sexual abuse always causes damage to the human psyche that lasts for the rest of a person's life. It's something they'll have to deal with for the rest of their life, whether they're they're raped or they're just abused or whatever it is. And so imagine having that kind of abuse over and over and over again, but yet you're doing it for the right reason and, and the twisted psychological issues that are going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Well, we use the word trafficking because of what they're doing. We're using as sex slaves and stuff like that. But isn't it reality they're being kidnapped? Yes, it is a. There's kidnapping is a is a part of the trafficking industry, right. and they're not always being moved. Some sometimes these kids still live at home. Oh wow! So it, it, trafficking, you you always think of trafficking is you're moving from here to there, but in reality, it can happen all right in here. Where there's there's kids in Atlanta that are that are sex slaves that go to school every day, mm. and but at night they're out on the street turning tricks, if you will. And they're, they're boys, little boys, six, seven, eight-year-old boys that are making some money for their families, but they're being run by other people. And they're trafficked. They're, they're considered human traffic victims, but they never have left the neighborhood they live in. They haven't left their home. They haven't left their school. Right. So they're home still. Yeah. And But you wonder, what are their parents? I mean, a young child, six years old, seven years old, <laughs> where are the parents at nighttime thinking, where's my kid? Well, these are these are kids from really broken homes at that point. Okay. When I'm talking about that, I'm talking about some of the worst neighborhoods. Worst in neighborhoods. Not and some so, of the richer ones. Right. You're not talking about that because the, it's, and that's the thing is it has four or five or ten different faces that go on in this as well. Right. Okay. So it's, you know, so we talked about that and that's always a hard subject to talk about because it's, it's dark and it's, uh, you know, it's the largest organized criminal activity in the world as far as economics i think it's a hundred and thirty nine hundred and forty billion dollar a year industry that's a lot of money and that's a lot of damaged lives and so when you're talking about that to people it really it it really weighs heavy and you kind of have to walk through it carefully and i don't like to dwell on it too much because it's just the images are too dark in your head and so we went from there to, to talking to what i think is a, is an almost as dark issue which is the transgender movement that's going on. You know, there's a huge movement going on in in this country and in Europe in particular. It's funny because it's not in a lot of the rest of the world at this point that says that you can be any gender you want. And we talked about the fact that that this is really a battle against the family as the core unit of of culture and civilization. But it's also even, even one step below that, it's a battle against God, a direct confrontation with God. Because according to Genesis 2.27, that God created man, male and female, he created them. Mm -hmm. The Bible's very clear that God made men and he made women. And that's it. He didn't make anything else. He didn't make uh, a cisgender or, you know, all the words, it's hard to even keep up with them because they keep changing them. And you can be anything. And the argument they're making is that who you are physically is your sex, but your gender is who you are in your soul. So you can be um, have a male body, but you feel like you're a woman. So you're really a woman, right? And and that listen, I I could live with that if that's what they really believed. If that was all they were saying, you know, okay, I feel like, you know, it's the it's the uh, Shania Twain song, hmm. man, I feel like a woman, you know. So okay, you feel like a woman, great. We're glad you're having a feminine day. If that was the end of it, it would be fine. But they go a step further and say, if you 
feel like you're a woman and really believe you're a woman, even though you're a man, you can start taking drugs that can turn you into a woman. And that's an outright lie. There is nothing you can do at this point in time, according to our science, according to what we have the ability to do. You cannot change a man into a woman. You can't change the genes. Right. Every, every cell in your body has male, has male DNA. It has XY chromosomes. Every cell in a woman's body has a double X chromosome. Virtually every cell, there's almost no cell in the body. Does it? The brain cells are all male or female. Mm-hmm. There's no in-between on these things. And so if you take someone who is a man and start giving them drugs to turn them into a woman, you have to start giving them the, the hormones of a woman, estrogen and things like that. The male body rejects that because it's not a natural thing. So you're immediately starting to fight against the body. Mm-hmm. And they also will give you something to suppress the testosterone because a woman has some testosterone but really low levels. So they'll give something to, to, to suppress it and try to raise up the estrogen and those levels then start a fight in your body that's a lifelong fight. You have to do this for the rest of your life to maintain any semblance of being a woman. Because if you stop it, you'll go back to your body producing all the hormones mm-hmm. of a man. And the same thing for a woman back. And even if you do the surgery, you can't turn a woman into a man, into a fully functioning man as a, as a reproducing mm-hmm. being which is part of what God had always planned was the reproduction of the species. Right. You can't turn a man into a woman, even though it's a little bit easier physically to create the appearance of a woman in a man, but you can't create a functioning uterus right. and functioning ovaries in a man. And so the idea that, that you, if you feel like a woman, you can be a woman, and now we can turn you into a woman is just ludicrous. And it's destroying lives. But worse than that, as bad as I think that is, in our public schools right now, all over the country, literally all over the country. Now we've got, we've been in a in a bit of a of a relapse because of the COVID nineteen and all the schools being out. All of this has stopped for. We've had a short reprieve where it stopped, but we we were getting calls before COVID nineteen in our office almost on a daily basis or emails from people saying, "My children are are dealing with this issue at school. My daughter is confused about whether she's a girl or a boy, and the school has told her that if she thinks she's a boy, she's a boy, and that she doesn't have to listen to us. She doesn't have to talk to us. The schools are literally, some of the schools, not all of them, are working with the students and and not telling parents that students are, students are identifying as another gender, which is one thing. If, if, if I come in and say, if I'm a sixth-grade boy, an eighth-grade boy, and I come in and go, I think I'm a woman, I think I'm a girl and the school says, okay, well, we'll work with you on that. Let's sit down and let's talk about it. I'm not, I'm not particularly upset about that, but then the school will go a step further and say, we're going to do everything we can to help you transition into a girl. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to tell your parents, we're going to call you with uh, with feminine pronouns. When you're at school, we'll call you by your new feminine name while you're at school. But when we talk to your parents, we're going to use your birth name and your birth sex pronouns. And they'll literally deceive the parents and not tell the parents what's going on. Well, this is, this is a moment when a child probably needs some counseling, some psychological, some, mm-hmm. some Christian pastor counseling, pastoral counseling, mm-hmm. something like that. And instead of doing all that, they're encouraging these kids, not telling the parents and moving them on. Then they're passing rules on the use of the, of the privacy facilities at the school. Mm. So they're saying the public bathrooms, the public locker rooms, the public showers 
if they go on a field trip, the rooms they stay in at the hotel, you can't, you have to put transgender kids in the room that they identify. Mm. So I've got a boy who thinks he's a girl that, that boy is now allowed to share a room on a, on a school trip with girls. That boy is now allowed to use the shower room with girls after a sporting event. That boy is now allowed to use the locker room to change for PE, which is mandatory changing with the girls. Mm. And don't tell the parents. The parents don't have any right to know. They don't have any right to object. In fact, in one case we've got right now that we've just petitioned the Supreme Court of the United States to hear this case, the school actually told the students, if you continue to protest against our policy, we're going to publicly label you as bigots, as intolerant, and we're going to discipline you in violation of student free speech. Wow. All that's going on in America. That's not just this. This case was out of Oregon. It's going on. It's, it's about as bad as it can be in California, who leads the way in all these things always. Mm -hmm. But it, this is there's a case out of Florida that's going to, it's at the 11th circuit right now on a bathroom issue with a boy that wanted to use the girl's bathroom and he sued the school over. There've been cases in Georgia where they've, they've, they don't, haven't developed into physical cases yet, but there's school districts in Georgia that have transgender bathroom policies in the middle schools and elementary schools and the high schools, wow. school districts in, in Indiana, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, Massachusetts, literally all over the country, this is going on. And none of us know anything about it. Right. So that's basically what I, I brought all that good news to this conference. Oh, and it, it, you were the kickoff. <laughs> yes, right. So it started from there. That's cool. I, well, I guess it's got to go up from there because this is all fairly depressing stuff <laughs> from a from a spiritual standpoint. Right. If you're not careful, it would be really easy to get overwhelmed by this. The good news is, is that you've got organizations like the one I'm working with, Child and Parental Rights Campaign, which our, our website is childparentrightsplural.org. Okay. And, and so people can go there and that we've got resources there. We've got uh, some of the stories that are going on talking about what we do. But there are organizations around the country that are stepping up and saying, we need to do something about this. And we've decided to battle in the transgender area. We're not taking on uh, anything else. We're looking at expanding it into the sex education curriculums because that's where they're bringing all of this stuff into the schools okay. It's through the sex education from kindergarten all the way through they're, they're bringing in the transgender. And what people don't realize is this is the aftermath of saying that same sex marriage is legal, but you have to teach it in your schools. You have to teach it as normal in your schools. Once you say it's legal. All right. Let's, you said a couple of places. Um, let's in closing here is, um, if people needed to ask you questions, um, mm -hmm. In whatever way format you want them to get, let's say that again, and we'll put you know description in the um, in show notes. Okay. Um, if they if you want them to call you, email you, websites, just just spit it out. What okay. exactly? So well, I, I think the best thing to do to get more information is to go to our website, which is child parent singular, just P A R E N T rights with an S dot org. So child parent rights dot O R G is the best place to go. And then my email address is jthornton, T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N, at childparentrights.org. Okay. That's the best place to get a hold of me because I that email comes to my phone. Okay. comes right here, and I look at it. I'm looking at it all during the day, and I'm happy to answer questions. I'm happy to, to talk to people about issues that are going on in their schools. You know, if they, if they think they've got a case that we need to look at, we're here. We're working all over the nation. We've got an a, attorney... There's two attorneys in Georgia. There's an attorney in Virginia that's working on this right now. We'll be expanding as the, as time goes on. 
Uh, but we're looking at cases all over the country. We've got a case, like I said, out of Oregon that's at the Supreme Court. So we're in, we took a case from Oregon, and we're in Washington with that. We've got another case, a federal case in Georgia. Uh, but we're we're advising clients in Massachusetts. I was on the phone this morning with a lady in Boston who's having issues with a, a, a foreign lady. She's an immigrant. Hmm. Chinese, speaks English as a second language. And her daughter has been basically stolen by the transgender side to try to turn her into a boy because she thinks she's a boy. And, it, and it's largely over the mother's objection. They've confused the mother in a lot of things because English is not her first language. And she's allowed them to do some things that she wasn't comfortable with that I don't think she realized at the time she was actually allowing. Mm. I'm thinking about, wasn't there a few months ago, this boy and this father and mother conflict in school? Yeah. I don't remember. It was in Dallas. Was it? Yeah. It was a, it was a custody case right. where the, the mother was saying the child was really a girl and was wanting to tra- to transition into a girl. And the father is saying, well, when the child's with me on the weekend, the child is a boy and tells me he's a boy and that he doesn't want to be a girl. And they had a huge fight over that. And they were trying to take custody away from the father at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's still in the court system. It, yeah. this way. But those are the kind of cases where do- we've got a case out of California where the mother of this daughter is fighting to keep California from changing her birth certificate to say that this girl is actually a boy on her birth certificate. And that's the kind of thing that's going on now. They're allowing you to change your origin documents because they're, well, the the language they use is real deceptive because they talk about the, the um, gender that you were assigned at birth or the sex that you were assigned at birth. Like it was a random thing. Like we're going, ah, we've had four boys. Let's get three girls in here. And, and instead of going, you know, we remember we used to do it. We used to look and go, that's a boy, right. that's a girl. And now you, now you're allowed to go back and, and reset that on your official documents, which imagine the problem you've got, you know, here's the ludicrousness of it. We've all heard about it. You've, you've seen the, the thing out there that, that, uh, that they made the, um, some of the uh, feminine products take off the female nature of it and turn them into, into gender-neutral products because men can menstruate too. Uh, because if you believe you're a woman, then, then you've got to be able to, to have a period if you're going to be a woman. Or the newest thing, too, that's going on is, is there um, – I just completely lost the train on that <laughs> That happens to me yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes not well, impressed with my train of thought. It's the products we were talking about, how they're yeah. changing things to make them neutral. Yeah, and there, there's one other one that, that was even funnier than – oh, it's, it's cervix cancer. They are, there's a push right now by the transgender movement, which is the LBGTP, LGBTQ plus community. Okay, and, and now there's, there's starting to be a little bit of rift between the LG and the, and the transgender community because they don't, uh, the LGB community kind of is having a little bit of trouble with it itself. Right. And there are some, there's some lesbian organizations that are, that are publicly out on a national level against the transgender movement, surprisingly enough. So there's starting to be a rift. But one of the things that the transgender movement is pushing for is they're demanding that insurance companies cover cervical cancer tests for transgender men, men who believe they're women. Now, they're demanding that they cover it because it's, it's discrimination on the basis of sex to not allow a man to have a cervical cancer 
test, mm. which sounds really nice until you stop and go, the problem with that is men don't have cervixes. Right. It's something that only women have. It's part of the birthing process. And the cancer, you know, one of the things they found out is that, that having sex at a very early age, at 12, 13, and 14, radically increases the chances of cervical cancer. Oh, wow. I did not. And so it's, uh, it's one of the... One of those things that's starting to that's becoming more and more prevalent because you know we've just thrown out all the morals on on sex and uh, you know it's no longer do we consider it outside of marriage and no longer do we think you have to be 17 or 18 to consent to it. Some states allow you to consent to these things as early as 12, and and so you've got this whole movement now saying that you have to allow men to be tested, and you're going, but why? How are you going to test a man for something he doesn't have? He can't have cervical cancer because he doesn't have a cervix. But that's how ludicrous this movement is getting, is that they're demanding equal treatment, and it's only it, you're discriminating if you don't allow the man who thinks he's a woman to be treated like a woman, including in the medical test you get. So imagine the problem you've got if you've got a birth certificate that's inaccurate. You've got someone who's been through a surgery, so just, just looking at him in the natural, you can't tell. You know, you walk up, you know, Bruce Jenner, you can tell Bruce Jenner used to be Bruce Jenner, or Caitlyn Jenner right. used to be Bruce Jenner, but, but he puts on enough makeup and he puts on enough dress and you're going to mistake him for a woman. Right. Imagine he shows up at the hospital, you pull his birth records and it find out that he's a woman and you start preparing everything like he's a woman or giving him medicine based on the fact that you think mm -hmm. he's female. And then you find out he's male. There's all kinds of things that can go wrong with this. Right, right. So the end result of all this is that there's going to be a whole lot of chaos. Mm -hmm. A lot of people with serious uh, medical issues and, and suicides are going to go up. You know, they're saying that you have to allow the transgender because these kids are, are more suicidal than most kids and that the, going through the transitioning process will decrease the suicide rate. But the actual evidence so far shows that the rate actually increases on the back end at the end of this after the honeymoon period of six months or a year is over that the suicide rate goes up two or three times for a, a person who's been through the transgender transition than it does for most people. We're talking a lot of things that are outside of the church and a lot of the people that are listening, whether through a podcast or through right now through YouTube, what would you say to the body of Christ? Where, what do they need to get their act together and, and start fighting this thing. It, it's our responsibility as the church. We're the, we're the guardians of the culture. God put us in charge. He gave us dominion over the earth. You go back again, go back to Genesis. God created the earth. He created everything in the earth. He created man. He said, now you go and take charge of it. Right. I mean, that's not the, the literal translation, but that was the point. And, and I think what's happened to the church, especially in the West, and by the West, I'm talking America, Europe. I'm not just talking America, mm -hmm. Canada, the, you know, the Western world. And what we've done is we've turned inward and everything has been about the church and everything has been about what happens in the church. And we need to start motivating Christians to get involved in, out in the real world. Christians need to be taking their faith into government, into education, into arts and entertainment, into all those areas of influence throughout the culture. And they don't need to just be bringing it to church. It's, it's no longer enough for your idea of evangelism to be, will you come to church with me on Sunday? Right. That, that worked for a long time because we were a very moral country. Mm -hmm. uh, we were a very firmly Christian-based country. So the, the reality was getting people to attend church would usually change their lives. Mm -hmm. 
But this, these days, it's not that way anymore. And it's, it's no longer enough to think that's our job. Our job now is to take the church out to them. And by that, I don't mean going out and having a Bible study necessarily. I mean going out and being, being Christians, the, the, salt, and, the salt shaker mm-hmm. theory of changing the world, where you go out and use relationships to bring people into a knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and changing the world and going out and, and influencing that. If we had more Christians in politics passing our laws, we would theoretically have better laws. Mm-hmm. We would have more moral laws. You know, they say you can't legislate morality, but every law is about some level of morality, mm-hmm. whether it's a speeding law, a theft law, murder laws. Those are all morality issues because if nothing matters, then it's not immoral to kill people. If there's no life after death, if there's no value to human life, if you can kill it at the beginning of life, why can't you kill it at the end of life? Mm-hmm. And all of those arguments work against the, the idea that you can't legislate morality is all we do. So we need Christians who are politicians and aren't giving into the system right? and aren't getting corrupted by the system that are out there making a difference. And we've got people doing that. Mm-hmm. We need people who are going into education, not to go in and, and share the gospel in a classroom, but to go in and, and share the love of God in a classroom mm-hmm. by loving people exactly where they are and helping them through these crisis points. Imagine if transgender students were running into teachers who could sit down and talk to them and help them to understand what's going on and to see deeper into their lives, how many of these kids could be set free instead of being led on down that trap. That's good. That's a good way to end this program. Uh, everybody is listening. Thank you for joining in today. Joel, thank you very much for being here and sharing us your passion, what you're doing today in the society in the United States and out, uh, outside. So thanks again. It was my pleasure. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beat Podcast. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your story. So write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com. Or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests and dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm going to give you a little snippet of a show called Family Matters with your host, Paul Kendall. If you want to hear more shows like that, go to KindleFamilyNetwork.com. Once again, I'd like to thank Paul Kindle for the use of his show. Welcome to Family Matters, a daily look inside the real world of parents and their children. I'm your host, Paul Kendall. Peer pressure is an incredible influence in life for both young and old alike, but it's especially influential in the life of a child. Wanting to fit in and be cool, a young person will be tempted to compromise their morals to avoid embarrassment amongst their friends. Young boys are subject to society's pressure to be tough and willing to stand up to a challenge. Famous athletes and music artists are high on the list of influence in a boy's life. 
The problem with that, of course, is that many of these superstars are not living the kind of life we hope for our sons to live. And before you know it, you can't seem to put your finger on it, but something seems to be changing in your son's life. What you need in a case like this is wisdom. Proverbs 16.16 says, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? When Alex was about eight, many of his friends were into wrestling. His favorite wrestler was a Christian. When I asked him how he knew that, he answered, because he always thanks God when he wins. One Saturday afternoon, I decided to sit and watch wrestling with Alex. Needless to say, I was concerned with some of the language, but the real surprise was the halftime show done by a group called the Nitro Girls. Sensing my disapproval, Alex reached for the remote and said, I usually change the channel during this part, Daddy. And I thought, oh, I bet you do. But even the mention of not being able to watch his favorite sport saddened Alex. I knew this situation required great wisdom. A few weeks later, we visited Atlanta and our host treated us to a basketball game at the Phillips Arena. The minute those six and seven foot tall guys ran out to the court, Alex's eyes got as big as saucers. Instantly, I knew this was the answer I had prayed for. We bought him a cool jersey, a hoop for the driveway, and a brand new basketball. And on his own, he never watched wrestling again. Wisdom may be dangling a bigger, healthier carrot in front of your son and allowing him to make the change on his own. So if you sense that your son is slipping, just remember God has lots of big, healthy carrots. That's Family Matters. I'm Paul Kendall.